Let's get real. This is America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, welcome to America WK. This is Andrew WK. This is episode four. And I must admit, despite having done this three times already, I am still quite nervous each time going into this. I guess there's a sense of achievement, a a sense of comfort and familiarity to the process, but I still have quite a lot of nervous energy. Uh, It's good. I would say I always have that when doing anything that I care about. It manifests not as fear so much as a type of vitality. I just feel very much here with you, very present, very alive, uh, very aware, almost too aware, listening to every word that I say and wondering how it sounds and if it's right. Try to not get too focused on that, but at the same time, I really want to do a good job. I really want to make this worth your while. I'm very thankful. I really don't take any of this for granted. And so I want the quality to be as high as it can possibly be. And even though this is the fourth episode, it still feels very new. I do feel like there have been improvements. And I'm very grateful to you and any other listeners that have been bearing with me, uh, have listened to the other episodes and been part of this because it is a growth process for me, that's for sure. Hopefully growing better as we go. These first episodes have really been focused on particular topics that have primarily taken up most of the episode. And today, I want to dive into a very large topic that I have been looking forward to speaking uh, with you about. And I have mentioned it briefly, gone into it a little bit on the very first episode of America WK when I was first introducing myself to you and trying to give a little bit of a sense of background on where I'm coming from and who I am or how I happen to experience the world. But I'd like to get much deeper into one aspect of that experience, which is depression. And I say that not lightly, but also with the hope that it does not necessarily need to be a dark episode. This does not need to be a discouraging or morbid or uh, draining type of discussion. Hopefully, this will actually be quite uplifting. I am focusing on this topic today because I've been feeling depressed, and we'll get into really all that I can tell you about depression, not so much just about my story, uh, because that's actually not very interesting to me, but I, I will tell you my experiences with depression and certainly go over some of the thoughts I've had about this phenomenon, which seems to be something that many of us share. I don't know if you particularly have suffered from chronic depression, but I imagine just about everybody has had ups and downs in life, and maybe some of these insights will resonate with you. Maybe you'll relate to them very directly, or maybe, best of all, you won't relate to them to some degree. I I wish you nothing but freedom from all types of sadness and depression and gloom and misery and pain and suffering. Wouldn't wish it on anybody. But we will talk about it because uh, I think that there's something to be gained from, at the very least, having an understanding for those who don't feel that good all the time. 
developing compassion, developing empathy is always good for us. And uh, at the same time, maybe you'll have something to tell me. Uh, there's been great feedback. I, I can't thank you enough. If you've happened to write in to me and not only express that you've actually been part of these episodes and given some of your very precious time to the show, but also if you've actually shared some thoughts, I've already learned a great deal, which is really what I was personally hoping for from this show. If I was useful to anybody out there, that was good. But if I could also learn something, that was good too. And I'd like to actually start the show before we get into the larger topic. I'd like to devote as much time as necessary to uh, three great questions that I've received, uh, most of them related to things we've discussed on the show, but they're very insightful and they're questions I would not have thought of, uh, topics that I probably would not have thought of going into. So I'm very thankful. Always feel free to reach out. And as I've mentioned, I would imagine this show expanding in all kinds of ways to become, excuse me, even more interactive and uh, perhaps even featuring guests uh, and all kinds of other elements. But at this point, I've been keeping it quite raw and quite one-on-one -on -one because I still feel like there's a lot to establish. I want to build a foundation between you and me and try to connect on some very basic ideas. Just a lot that I feel like I want to get off my chest or out of my head or out of my heart. And I'm speaking to you straight from the heart, for better or worse, right off the top of my head. There's really very little plan. I am trying to organize as much as I can, but this whole thing is just from me to you in the moment, for better or worse. And I really do appreciate you bearing with me in that regard. It is coming out as it comes out. But let's get into these these questions from, from listeners. And thank you again. If uh, Even if I don't happen to go into yours right now, thank you very much for being here and thanks for any interaction that we've had that you've uh, taken the time not just to listen but to tell me that you have been. It really, really, really means a lot. I am not someone who shuts out feedback, good or bad. I try to be strong enough to take all of it. And there's been all different kinds. But the kinds that uh, I really appreciate are the kinds that are helpful for improving the quality of the show. So uh, this first question actually goes back to, I believe, maybe not last week's episode, but perhaps episode number two. Uh, actually, no, it was last week. It was episode number three in which I spoke about my experience uh, with the U.S. State Department in which they had almost made me a uh, U.S. cultural ambassador to Bahrain. It's a long story. I had never told it in such depth before, and it felt great to finally do that on this show. But if you want that, I would just recommend going back and reviewing that, or you can find a lot of information online about the story. But regardless, I was almost made a U.S. cultural ambassador by the State Department, and I was talking about how the whole trip, the whole project fell apart, more or less from what I understand, based on my appearance, based on my work as a rock and roll musician, uh, some photos, the way I tend to present myself and some of my song titles involving partying and sort of the rambunctious high energy uh, style in which I work most of the time. But I uh, specifically talked about having long hair. And as I'm sure you're familiar, many rock and roll musicians 
or actually many sort of high energy folks, what you might even call free living, free wheeling kinds of folks have had long hair going all the way back to one of my personal heroes, uh, the rock and roll pianist and vocalist, Jerry Lee Lewis, who I remember hearing uh, was quite outrageous in his early days just because his hair was a little bit longer than normal, certainly not as long as mine. I mean, at this point, mine is is longer than it's been a lot of times. I mean, it's going all the way down to the middle of my back. And long hair has had a history of just rubbing people the wrong way. And I understand it. And I don't like that part about it. I never wanted to have long hair because it sort of gave the finger to any type of authority, I do appreciate the, the nature of its ability to sort of go against the grain, but I actually really like the way short hair looks. I've had short hair at certain times in my life when I was much younger and enjoyed it very much. Meaning what I'm trying to say, I guess, is I don't identify personally with having long hair, despite the fact that I have it and have had it for at least the last 15 years and plan on having it forever. And I don't really feel very even good about it. I don't like the way uh, it particularly allows people to make assumptions about me. I mean, pretty much wherever I go, I mean, not that people really know who I am. They might not know exactly what I do, but most people guess that I'm probably a rock musician and they're right. And I can't deny it. And the way they guess that isn't because of the clothes I'm wearing. It's certainly not uh, that I'm carrying a guitar case or a pair of drumsticks or anything like that. I play the keyboard and that's not something that I usually wheel around with me. They just can tell because of the long hair and they usually say so. They say, oh, well, I figured you were because of the long hair. And it's not that I dislike being identified for what I do. I actually am a musician. So it's that I just like, I would like to have some more anonymity. Again, not that I'm so renowned that I'm being recognized as myself. It happens from time to time. But just that ability to just be a regular old person. I don't know if that makes much sense. Uh, it goes beyond that too, though, this whole idea of long hair. It goes into the idea that I felt that I was meant to have long hair for a long time. That's what I said in the episode uh, three. And that's what this gentleman that wrote in was asking about. He said, how come you identify uh, yourself not by having long hair, yet you feel like you're meant to have it? What does that mean? I'll get into that and everything else we're going to talk about on this show in one moment when we get back. This is America WK. Stay with me. America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Coming up today on Pat and Stew. They don't realize that we actually don't at all feel this way. Like, they have this weird thing in their minds that white people sit around, especially conservative, thinking of ways to call black people naughty names. Yeah. The bottom line is, yes, absolutely, this biker gang could be called a thug. I'm completely comfortable with it. In fact, they are thugs. Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network.
undisputed king of partying invites you to a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. This is America WK with Andrew WK. All right, welcome back to America WK. This is Andrew WK. We have a lot we're going into on today's fourth episode. Uh, First, I'm starting by answering some questions from listeners. And uh, thank you again if you've happened to reach out to me in any capacity I have probably seen it. I hope that I've responded. And either way, I really do appreciate you not only taking the time to listen, but to write in or communicate and tell me that you are listening. It means more to me than you'll probably ever know. And we're talking today uh, about a big topic, depression. But first, I'm answering these questions. And we're on a question that came up from episode number three, where I was talking about my appearance in terms of having long hair and that I don't particularly like having long hair, but I feel that I meant to have it. And uh, I'm not going to try to spend too much time on this, but hopefully give some sense of what I'm talking about in a way that is actually useful and goes beyond just me and my appearance, uh, but appearance in general and what it can be. So the best way I can describe it is the long hair that I have, the all white outfit that I've worn for the last well, almost uh, 17 years now, and that I plan on continuing to wear indefinitely. Uh, if it's, As far as I'm concerned, it's what I meant to look like. Now, I don't feel that strongly about it beyond that, meaning I have tastes in clothing, in shoes, in hairstyles that I don't really f- allow myself the freedom to explore. I've done all that. Uh, before there's times when of course I don't wear my all white clothes. Sometimes I wear all black clothes just to balance things out or for some very obvious contrast. Sometimes I wear other things, but as far as being myself, I feel like what I am meant to wear, and it's not like a uniform necessarily, but just an underlying instinctual clarity that I am supposed to look this way, whether I like it or not. Uh, For many years before, I thought that you were supposed to dress because you liked a certain piece of clothing or you liked the reactions that a certain style of dress may have gotten you or that you wanted to make a certain kind of impression and a certain style of outfit would help to create that impression. That goes the same with hairstyle, uh, facial hair, you know, any way that you can physically uh, alter your appearance or even your body language, that all those things uh, were meant to flow very naturally based on your current likes or dislikes, current trends, current available styles, current feelings that you may have or that other people may have, current job positions, you know, current uh, situations that may ask of you to look a certain way. But for whatever reason, I've discovered very slowly a sense of destiny for myself personally that related to just wearing this certain outfit. And again, there's times when just wearing one outfit, like in my case, this all white outfit, a white t-shirt and white jeans that are usually pretty filthy, uh, a black digital watch, and then some sort of contemporary athletic shoes and having this long hair that became as clear to me as the fact that I was alive almost, that this is just how I was supposed to look. Uh, I didn't really know what sort of statement it made. I knew that it was consistent. 
And despite uh, the ease with which I can put on those clothes and find those clothes and maintain that outfit, it really wasn't uh, designed to be, I guess, easy to do. For example, we've heard about certain uh, great thinkers, great people, great accomplished professionals simplifying their wardrobe because it saved them time or took away uh, the, the need to think about it. I certainly understand that. And as a side effect, a happy benefit of my clothing, I, I don't have to put much thought into it, but that's not why it appealed to me. It didn't even necessarily appeal to me. It just felt like what I was meant to do. And I can only really explain that um, in as so much as Santa Claus, I think, is meant to look like Santa Claus. I think that uh, Mickey Mouse is meant to look like Mickey Mouse. Ronald McDonald is meant to look like Ronald McDonald. And it doesn't really matter if Santa Claus has some kind of personal taste that makes him want to look a different way, to cut his beard, to cut his hair, to not wear his red suit. Uh, he realizes that there's something bigger than himself, something more important that, that he is able to represent, that he is able to be, and that he wants to hold up his end of the bargain in every respect, not just by making toys, not just by spreading incredible joy and good cheer, but by also being Santa Claus, looking the way he's supposed to look. And uh, not to compare myself directly at, in any way uh, to the incredible level of uh, achievement that Santa Claus has as both uh, an archetypal figure or a mythological figure or as a real phenomenon that young people uh, or people of all ages get to interact with. But that was the best I could do to answer that question. Why do I feel like I'm meant to have long hair? I just feel like I'm meant to. And I think it's uh, perhaps a healthy or at least entertaining idea to think that maybe the way you look or present yourself doesn't have to reflect your taste or your whims or your opinions all the time, or maybe even at all. It's something to try. And maybe even beyond our sort of outward presentation, maybe even our thoughts, opinions, and tastes don't really represent who we are inside either. Maybe, in fact, those things have very little to do with who we really are. That is a larger topic to go into perhaps another time, but I find it interesting to think about because for so long I really identified myself by what I liked or didn't like. But when I noticed those things changing, and oftentimes changing quite radically and quite quickly, it felt rather painful to think that I wasn't the same person anymore. Clearly, I was the same person deep, deep down inside. These other things that I thought made me who I was really weren't that heavy, or they weren't that tied to that true part of myself that was able to maintain throughout all these personal changes, appearance-wise and otherwise. And so maybe the consistency... And what I'm able to do with this particular long-haired look, this white outfit, isn't so much to try to be consistent or be who I'm meant to be, but maybe just to eliminate all those things that would otherwise distract from what uh, I think is probably the most important thing for me to do, which is to exist and try to be a good person, try to spread joy, try to cheer myself up and hopefully 
cheer other people up. Hopefully cheer you up. It may be a tall order, but it, it seems like what I should be doing. And even in that regard, I feel like it's what I'm meant to do. I feel like even if I didn't feel like doing this radio show right now, if I didn't feel like uh, going and playing a concert, I still would because there would be a deeper urge or a deeper clarity, a deeper sense, a deeper pressure telling me that whether I like it or not, this is what I'm here to do. And one of the greatest satisfactions I've ever experienced is completely succumbing to that pressure, completely handing over every part of myself to that sense of purpose that really goes beyond my likes or dislikes or tastes or opinions or even feelings, that it, it exists at the deepest, most fundamental place within yourself and you do what it tells you to do, whether you feel like doing it or not. And it sure makes it easier in those times when it's uh, challenging otherwise. So I hope that answers the question sent in by that listener. Uh, I guess it was a rather complicated answer, but it's trying to get at some kind of basic understanding there. Um, we're going to move on to another listener question in a moment. Uh, right after these messages, this is America WK. I'm Andrew WK. Thank you so much for being here. Don't go away. A party for being alive. This is America WK with Andrew WK. On the Blaze Radio Network. Mike Slater. You see how the government policies caused this, right? The government policies that resulted in joblessness. Government welfare programs that have led to dependence. This leads to increased drug use. This leads to more gangs. This leads to dangerous communities. We have government policies that have replaced the father. All of this caused by government. And then the government comes in and says, oh, look at all you. You're a mess. Mike Slater. Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. only radio show restoring your faith in humanity through the power of positive partying. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Hi, this is Andrew WK. Thank you for staying with me here on the fourth ever episode of America WK. And we've been talking about, uh, well, listener questions. And the last one that I just finished trying to answer or at least talk about was this idea of appearance of how you present yourself and sort of trying to go beyond things like taste or style or likes or dislikes when it comes to appearance or really when it comes to anything else and try to do what you feel you're meant to do. I try to look the way I feel I'm meant to look. And that's a rather elusive idea that is a bit hard to describe. But uh, hopefully I was able to get something close to an answer there for that great listener who bothered to even ask me about it. I really do appreciate that. Please always feel free to send me uh, any questions you have or any feedback. I've gotten so many great pieces of information, great ideas, incredible insights, things that I never would have thought of uh, about the sh topics we've been discussing on America WK or about topics uh, in, in other areas of life that I hadn't even really considered thinking about. And that's just about as good as it gets for me at least, uh, 
to be presented with a point of view that I never even imagined was possible. It's difficult to describe that type of excitement. It's the best I can do is to say it makes me glad to be alive. It makes it feel like there's a point to being alive. Even if it's something that I don't necessarily agree with in a, in a way, I, I, I don't even care. Actually, sometimes that makes it even better because that's even more out of uh, left field or right field or out of the outfield. I mean, it's an idea that can change everything about you. And while that can be frightening, it's truly thrilling at the same time. It makes you realize that you are alive. That's the best way I can put it. When you have some new idea, either you stumble upon it, either it hits you out of nowhere, either you come across it through deep contemplation and thoughtfulness, or someone, perhaps best of all, gives it to you. Someone shares it with you. Someone teaches you something. I have been so lucky throughout my life, unbelievably lucky to have so many incredible mentors, people that had access to ideas, to truths, to experiences, to whole areas of the world that I just didn't have access to. And I don't know that I ever would have had access to them any other way than through these great mentors. It's always worth seeking out mentors, teachers, whether they're physical presence, whether they're in books, whether they're somewhere out in the world that you can encounter in any possible way. I think uh, that's, for me, one of the most exciting things about being alive at all. Just realizing that there's people out there that can make life more interesting. So we're talking about some uh, listener questions, some great questions. And uh, another gentleman wrote in to me and asked what I thought about the fact that music and art programs weren't as frequently taught in school anymore, public school or private school. I thought this was a fantastic question and one that I hadn't thought of at all. Um, the last time I was in school was when I was 17 years old. I didn't go to college. I didn't really participate in any formal education since since I got out of high school a year early. I worked really hard in my junior year and took a bunch of extra credit classes so I could graduate early and get the heck out of there because I just felt done with the whole concept of school, to be honest, uh, with no disrespect to school. I actually was very lucky to be going to a great school. It was a great public school that uh, was so great it even gave me this chance to finish early. I just didn't want to be in a structured curriculum anymore. Uh, and despite actually thinking that maybe I would go to college, as soon as I started visiting colleges, I realized, here we go. It's just another structured curriculum. I wanted to be in the world in a very unstructured way, or at least a way where it wasn't structured the same as school. Well, anyway, this is such a great question because it hadn't even dawned on me that maybe school had changed since I went to school. Uh, elementary school, middle school, or junior high school, and then high school. Uh, we always had art classes. We always had music classes. We always had gym classes. Now, some of those classes were required, and sometimes they weren't. But it never even crossed my mind that in today's school system, they might not have music classes, whether they're you know, elective or required. That is completely baffling. And perhaps I should have done a little research. Jeez, maybe that would have been a good idea. Maybe that would always be a good idea to do a little research before I 
began speaking about this to see what the current curriculum was. But I imagine it depends on the school. It depends on the state. It depends on the, the grade, the, the age of the student. But from what I understand generally, and I have spoken to a few folks about this uh, since this question came in, it does seem that there's been a, a, a cutting down on, well, maybe everything besides reading, writing, and arithmetic, and maybe science, uh, that music and visual art, and maybe even physical education haven't been as prioritized as these other areas. And maybe they still are being taught. Maybe they're uh, extra credit classes you can take after. I mean, that's certainly better than nothing. But when I went to school, and maybe when you went to school, I'm not sure what your situation was, but pretty much everyone my age and older that I've talked to, art class was required, especially when you were in uh, the younger grades. Uh, music class was required. You had to take an instrument. And this was public school. This wasn't some fancy school. Uh, physical gym was required. I mean, that was the most required of all. And even if it was a uh, recess, there was usually some kind of organized sports or something. And that wasn't extracurricular. That wasn't after school or a special soccer team or basketball team or track team. I mean, later in high school, those things became more elective. But even in high school, we had uh, we had gym. It was required. It was brutal. I remember that. Sometimes it was the first class of the day. It was the one I tried to skip the most often because we'd be running around the, the school at, at 8 a.m. Uh, after I hadn't slept at all. I would try to just stay sleeping in my car. I'm not proud of this, but I, that's how I remember that we had it because I <laughs> didn't want to go. Anyway, so it's um, incredible to me now to realize that maybe young people, they don't even know a, a version of school that has these things. Now, of course, I give the benefit of the doubt to anyone designing the school curriculum. And since I'm not that up on what most schools are doing, I, I'm going to speak a, a bit ignorantly here, but it seems as though there's overall a sense that math, science, and reading and writing are somehow more important, that there's a, a greater pressure and a need for these skills in contemporary society than ever before, and also than art, than music, and then physical education. I couldn't disagree more, and I couldn't actually even begin to think of this as an opinion that one can disagree on. It only just seems very fundamental that in order, if school is, is trying to create a, a well-rounded person to give uh, society, a person that is able to be as full of a human as possible, that an appreciation of all the different areas, the, the, the fundamental areas of, of life, of culture, would be completely second nature. And what kind of world is it in which music doesn't exist or is thought of as secondary? What kind of world is it in which uh, art, either appreciating it or making it, or just thinking about it, living in a world in which it exists, is secondary to math or science? What kind of world is it when being physically active to the point that you can maintain some semblance of a human capacity in your physical body is thought of as secondary to anything? In fact, your health is probably the most important thing of all, because how many, how many science problems or, or math equations or books can you read or write if you don't exist to do it? 
if you've died at age you know 40 because you haven't moved at all or done any kind of physical exertion these things seem very obvious and it doesn't matter if someone wants to be an artist or wants to play an instrument or wants to be a professional athlete these are the fundamental core concepts to what as far as we've seen human existence consists of doesn't matter if you want to be a Hollywood filmmaker, it still would probably be a good idea to take some basic class about, I don't know, photography, just to, just to say that you don't want to do it. I'm beginning to ramble a little bit. I'm going to collect myself. We're going to take a quick break. It's America WK. We'll be right back. America WK with your host, Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Severin. She could not do in what she knew was phony. It wasn't a real fire. She knew she couldn't be hurt. She knew that no one could die. It was a phony exercise, and she couldn't do it. And she did it several times and failed it every time. She's a proud firefighter of New York. Don't smoke in bed! Jay Severin. Weekdays, 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. This is America WK with Andrew WK, only on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, welcome back to America WK. My name is Andrew WK, and I am your host. And we are talking about a great listener-submitted question, asking for my thoughts on school curriculum and the potential uh, elimination of music classes, of art classes, and of uh, gym or physical education, and perhaps the increase in amount of studying for science, for math, and for reading and writing. Now, I should first make it clear that these are uh, thoughts off the top of my head coming uh, from a very personal point of view because pretty much my favorite classes were music class, art class, and maybe not gym, but I always appreciated it. I understood that sometimes actually the reason I didn't like it is because it was good for me in a way that was challenging. I also didn't really much like math class. I didn't much like science. I liked uh, writing and reading English class. Um, but even the classes I didn't like, I understood why we were doing them. Uh, and, and this is what I'm talking about here. There was this, a very uh, natural sense that we were being offered a, a, a wide range of interest that attempted to map out to some degree the landscape of civilization, the landscape of society, so that we could sort of experience a bit of everything. There wasn't a sense that school was just for us to learn how to be smart in a particular field so we could make money. If that's the idea of why science and math for example, is being pushed so hard because we have to raise young people that need to be competitive in the world economy. Well, I understand that, that, that desire and that need, but I also would take issue with the idea that eliminating art and music is going to actually help that in any way. What about the art of math? 
What about taking an art class and seeing some of those same values, those same insights reflected in the science class that you then go to later in the day? What about taking a math class and then actually understanding how that works in the music class and having a, an appreciation, a contrast and compare that exists because you've taken both classes? What about understanding the music that's even in physical education, the rhythm of running, uh, you know, the, 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 the dynamic environment of a sporting event and how that can relate to the dynamic environment of the world outside the school? Just the idea that all of these elemental fields of expertise, of thought, whether you become a professional in them or not, it would be good to, as a well-rounded person to have an appreciation of art, even if you don't make it yourself, to have an appreciation of music, even if you don't play it, to have an appreciation of physical exercise, even if you're not trying to be a world-class athlete. And of course, to be able to understand and appreciate math, and of course, to be able to understand and appreciate science, even if you don't excel at those. The other thing that's so frightening about this idea of maybe just uh, you know art and music and phys ed being uh, slowly taken away out of school is what about the kids like like me who didn't really do very well at science and math? If we were being told that these other things don't matter that much, that when we're at home drawing for fun, that it's actually a waste of time, that it's not as important as learning math, that it's not as valuable as science, that maybe something's wrong with us, that we don't naturally excel or aren't naturally interested in science and math, that, that, that there's a whole world of interest that we have that is somehow secondary or somehow lesser than the most important things like science and math. How does that make a young person feel? How does it make a young person feel who's very, very good at science and math compared to someone else? What does that do to their personality? Why shouldn't school, rather than trying to train someone to excel as an employee or in industry in some way, why isn't school about becoming a good person? That just seems like the, the whole plot has gotten twisted somewhere along the way. That maybe at one time it was about that. It wasn't just about we have to prepare this young person to make money. All that matters is trying to get a good job. We have to be competitive with these other countries where these kids are really good and they're making more money. We need to find a way to take all these young people and put them into the world so they can make our country more money. What about just being a happier person? What about having a country of more fulfilled individuals? I don't think there's anything wrong with making money. I don't think there's anything wrong with being good at science or math. But why does that have to be at the expense of, of everything else? You don't need to, to over uh, amplify the importance of one thing uh, by cutting down on the importance of something else. Really, we should be teaching ethics in school too. Why aren't we just taught very basic lessons about how to be nice, how to be thoughtful, how to be compassionate? Maybe some of these schools are. Again, I shouldn't say that. I am rather ignorant, in case it wasn't obvious. But I was never taught that in school. I don't remember one single lesson about just sort of a fundamental concept of goodness. Maybe it was because that was sort of too spiritual or, or, or went into the religious realm, uh, and that wasn't allowed in public school. But I think those things go beyond any classification. They're, they're the, it's, the, it's the primary idea at the root of being alive. You want to be good at living. Why isn't that taught? Why is, why is 
learning a skill for a certain job thought to be even more important than learning the skills just to live before you even have a job. The job's not going to solve all the problems. In fact, sometimes it could create problems. Where are the lessons going to come from that teach you how to deal with those problems? So that was just an idea. Thank you very much for writing in that question. It really sparked my mind because I hadn't thought about that in a long time about what young people maybe are learning or being forced to learn or what they have to deal with in the current school system. I'm sure there's all kinds of stuff. I, I, I'm going to look into it further because it's quite, uh, well, I guess quite concerning. I guess my, my first instinct is probably just that I wish people could have the same kind of school that I went to. Maybe my parents feel the same way about when they went to school. Maybe everyone feels like that. It always used to be better somehow. You know, maybe it's not. This is America WK. We'll be right back. Thanks so much. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. Could there be some combustion involved? Is it pumping I'm not sure they get the difference between combustion and pump action. It is a simulated firearm, a water gun, a squirt gun, a squirt pistol. It's simulated firearm. You like to be shot with you like to be shot with a water pistol? I don't mind being on a hot summer day with my friends. Hell yeah! The morning blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday mornings, 6 to 9 Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. The king of partying himself, your friend and mine, Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. This is Andrew WK. Thank you very much for being with me here. I really went in on that one. That was a question about the lack of art, music, and physical education classes in school today, uh, with the focus being put more on math and science and reading and writing for the reason of trying to compete in industry, in the ever-increasing computerized uh, job market, etc. And uh, I do feel very strongly about it, despite not really knowing very much about it. So please forgive me for any ignorance there. I guess no matter what the current school situation may be, whether you learn things in or out of school, and that includes anyone who's not even in school anymore, whether you're too old, whether uh, you've completed all your schooling, I guess the point I was trying to make was that not every effort in life, not every endeavor or thing that you spend time doing has to revolve around making money, has to revolve in somehow uh, competing with someone else. There is a pure joy. I mean, what is the point in even trying to survive or to get a good job except to create that time where you can enjoy life, enjoy just doodling a drawing, enjoying playing an instrument or listening to an instrument or looking at some drawing that someone else doodled, not as a way to escape, not as uh, entertainment, although there's nothing wrong with that either, but as a way to just appreciate life itself, music and art, and also physical effort, physical exercise, sport. These are not mindless pastimes just because they don't always provide income or give us some kind of competitive advantage in industry. These are things that human beings are made of. 
And there's something about the way they come out of us. There's something about the way they go into us that makes us better people. And I could say that you could be very, very good at math and be very, very good at science and very good at reading and writing and not actually necessarily be a very good person. That's not to say that music, art, and exercise makes you a better person. But I think that all of these attributes are part of a, a full life. And that's what we want, a full life, a life worth living in a world worth living in. Anyway, so that was a great question sent in. Thank you again for that. Uh, I found it very thought-provoking. Got a little worked up as well, which isn't always so bad. But now I want to go uh, deep in to the main topic for today's show, which is depression. Now, I have personally struggled with depression for as long as I can remember, for much longer than uh, I can actually literally remember, uh, meaning there was a time when I didn't really know what depression was. I just knew that I didn't feel that good. Uh, actually, the, if I think back to my earliest memories, one of the most consistent feelings that I can recall was one of something not being right, that something was in fact quite wrong. And this feeling would emerge as soon as I awoke from sleep and the day began, and I was unsettled. Something was off. And I felt like the thing that was off, the thing that wasn't right, this wrong experience was me being alive. I was too young to really put it into those words, but that's how it felt. And actually, depression, as I've experienced it, is something very hard to describe. It is very hard to put into words. It is a feeling that, for better or worse, goes beyond description, at least for me. I can only kind of describe shadows that it casts or the effects of it, but the feeling itself is very deep, and I imagine probably relatively unique for each person that may feel it. It's not what I would call sadness. It's not what I would call anger, although those feelings can come from it. It seems to be much deeper and more mysterious than any mood or any emotion, really. It is quite physical in that regard, at least the way I've felt it. And if you've ever felt it, maybe you'll relate to it in that way. It is not something that really exists in my head the way that thoughts do or the way that memories do or when I'm picturing some kind of situation or even picturing a feeling or an emotion. It's the entire spectrum. It's my whole body. It is every thought and everything beyond thought. It is the world around me. And it's all swirling around in one big dark mass of bad vibe. That's sort of a half description of it. But if you've ever felt anything that you would call depression, then you do understand what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, then I am very happy for you, sincerely. Very, very happy for anyone who cannot relate to this. And actually, I have met many people and very close with many people who have never had what they would describe as depression. And people that I've 
been very close to for a very long time. And I can say that I have never seen them experience anything that I would call depression. I think I mentioned this on the very first episode of America WK. And I think it is true. There are people who are gifted, who are naturally talented in their disposition and in a way that absolves them or frees them from any type of bad mood. These are very remarkable people. I don't know that I would call them better people than some other folks like me who struggle with bad feelings or depression. But I think of them sort of like someone who is naturally talented in another way, someone who's a naturally talented basketball player or athlete, someone who's a naturally talented singer or musician, someone who's naturally inclined in certain skills, right? Some people are naturally skilled at being happy, at feeling good. It's just the way they were born. It doesn't mean that they don't get down sometimes. It doesn't mean that it doesn't take effort for them to get cheered up at other times. It just means there's a whole version of experience that I would call depression that they just have never felt and hopefully never will. And that's uh, it's really remarkable to be around people like that. In fact, if you're someone who has struggled with depression, I think that these people are very, very, very powerful. And perhaps that gift they have is meant to be shared and that they can have that positive impact on on people who are otherwise struggling. I almost think of it sort of like animals, the way that animals and young children have this natural ability to make other people feel good just by their sheer existence. They don't even have to try. They just feel good to be around. There are people like that. You could call them angels. They have a special place in this world, and they're not obligated to try to cheer people up. I think actually they can do it without even having to put much effort into it at all. The effort really is in uh, in our in our part. We have to push outside of ourselves in those moments of depression to seek out those naturally good things. And I found it in people. I found it in music. I have found it in physical exercise. This is interesting because this actually ties back into that question about the school and classes in school that we were talking about. Uh, when I was really depressed in school, I would look forward to music class because music always cheered me up. I would look forward to gym, even when it was really tiring or physically challenging, because somehow after all that physical exertion, even if it was really uncomfortable, I felt better. I physically felt better and I mentally felt better and I spiritually felt better. Like I, I felt better in my soul. So I realized pretty early on that there were things that I could do in regards to this depression, including being around people that had this special gift of kindness and joy emanating from them. This is America WK. We're talking about depression. I'll be right back. Please don't go away. You're listening to America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network.
Matt Walsh. We're constantly informed that black people are under attack, yet every single symbolic case they choose involves the death of a black person who happened to also be a known criminal. The fact remains that Michael Brown, Eric Gardner, and Freddie Gray were not law-abiding, helpful, constructive members of society. That doesn't mean they deserve to die, but it does mean they put themselves in a category of people who are more likely to be involved in violent interactions. Matt Walsh. Available on demand anytime at theblaze.com slash radio. You're listening to America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. My name is Andrew WK, and it is a genuine pleasure to be here with you. It's a genuine pleasure to exist at all, despite it being painful at times. And that's what I would like to continue focusing on for the remainder of this episode, depression. That's not a nice word. Uh, It is a word that just sounds depressing (laughs) right off the bat. But we've been talking about it here. And one of the things that I mentioned was it does seem that some people just were born with some attributes that make depression more easily experienced. And I was saying, fortunately, some people are born with a natural disposition that makes them never get depressed. And it's pretty amazing. And I think those people are, if nothing else, uh, very useful to talk to or be around, even if they can't relate to your depression. I really like being around people who are naturally cheerful. Uh, people that that were just gifted in happiness, gifted in kindness, gifted in joy. I think they were meant to be here for people who maybe are not having such an easy time. And I'm someone who has not had such an easy time. I want to also say again that I am not a trained professional really in anything, but certainly not when it comes to mental health or depression. Uh, I'm not uh, in any way medically qualified to be giving any advice. I'm just talking about what it's been like for me to feel pretty bad feelings for most of his life. I can also tell you that those bad feelings have been the main motivation behind every good thing I've ever done in my efforts, more or less, to take those bad feelings and with extreme determination, turn them into something good, not bad, uplifting, not negative, joyful, not depressing. But that's just me. So I wanted to talk about uh, the different possibilities with depression and ways to look at that feeling in different ways, Uh, ways to look at that feeling in new lights uh, with different types of thoughtfulness, with different types of insight. Again, take all of this with a grain of thought. Maybe some of this will have already occurred to you and maybe you have great ideas about bad feelings as well. But one of the most exciting ideas and one that I most frequently turn to personally, again, despite all the positivity that I focus on in my work, in my endeavors, in my music, in this radio show, everything I'm doing is coming from a center of negativity that has been my underlying tone that I have not been able to get rid of. I've only been able to transmute it. I've only been able to take that default setting that for some reason is just has always been there and try to have it turned into something that feels better, 
that's why I got into music because music was always there uh, to cheer me up. It, it never has let me down. It never did from the minute I found that it could give me these feelings, that they weren't a fluke. I never let it go. And uh, one way that I've been thinking about depression for the last few years that I found to really explain a lot of the bad feelings that otherwise I couldn't explain, and that is one of the hallmarks to me of, of depression, it doesn't make sense. You're not sad for any real reason, at least one that you can think of. It's not like something particularly bad happened and you feel bad about it. That happens too, or that's happened to me. I'm sure that happens to everybody. This is a bad feeling without any real reason. Now, again, and I, I, I totally admit that I'm not professionally trained. Some people, and maybe I'm one of them, are born with, as they would say, a chemical imbalance in the brain. It may not be what we'd call mental illness. It may not even be diagnosable. But of course, there's people who are born with all different kinds of brains. Some people are, are truly full-blown mentally ill. Uh, I'm not talking about that because I don't know about that. And I always urge you, if you feel the need or if you already have, I would never think less of you or judge you in any way for going to see a doctor. Do it. I mean, I don't know what I'm talking about in that realm. I'm speaking completely free of the medical side of this because I just don't know. Uh, and I would never, ever, ever, ever discourage anyone from getting medication either. Uh, I don't take medication, but I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I have many, many close friends who have benefited greatly from medication. I'm talking about my own personal story, I guess, and that's that's all. But I would never judge anyone for doing whatever they want to do in their battle or their efforts to free themselves or themselves from this uh, from this affliction. But again, here's a way that I was thinking about depression a lot. One time, I was depressed after finishing a very large project. It was recording an album. And I'd worked on this album. It was my first album from uh, probably about 1999 until around 2001, almost 2002. And I'd worked more or less every day on this record in some way. Sometimes full-blown, recording 24 hours nonstop, sometimes taking days off due to travel or due to other projects. But really, that was my life for those years. And it was the hardest and longest I'd ever really worked on anything consistently. And once the whole project was finished, once the album was done, mixed and mastered, all the final smaller steps, the artwork, the design, I didn't feel very good. I thought, of course, that after all that, all this buildup, I was going to feel fantastic. What a sense of accomplishment. What a relief. What a load off. What a, a sense of achievement. What a, a, a great amount of effort with a great payoff of having this finished album, this collection of songs that I made, that we all worked on, all my partners and I and everyone teaming up together. What a great sense of, of, of pride we could take in this big life experience. I just felt very sad. Uh, and then I felt sad and bad and confused about feeling sad. I felt depressed. And first I thought, well, I was just tired because of all that work. I mean, especially towards the end of the recording process, there was a lot of all-nighters that turned into then all-dayers and then another all-nighter staying up 
for 36, I think the, the longest I stayed up was for th three days and three nights straight, full-blown delirium. So I figured I was just completely fatigued. But uh, the depression stayed. In fact, it even grew stronger in the days and even weeks that followed, and I could not figure out why. Well, that wasn't the only time that happened. It happened many other times uh, over the last 20 years, and I can even think back to even earlier times when I would have every reason to be happy, even very good reasons to feel very happy about life or happy about things that had happened to me or that I had done or been a part of, and instead I felt very bad, especially when it was a big life experience, like going on a date for the first time, driving a car for the first time, things that should have left me feeling really thrilled, last day of school, uh, you know, Christmas, things that I always looked forward to. And there was just this underlying sense of sadness, uh, especially when it was something that was stressful or I had been worried about. And then I actually did get through it. You'd think you'd be so proud of yourself. So, so excited. And there was just a big, bad feeling, a letdown. Well, a very wise friend once explained it to me and I was telling him I was, how I was feeling depressed. And he said, oh, well, that makes perfect sense. And I thought, what does he mean? Why would you say it makes perfect sense? I just did this whole tour and it went really well and I, I should be on top of the world right now. He said, oh, no, no. Uh, usually when you go through big life experiences like that, your, your soul has to catch up. It all made perfect sense. My soul had to absorb and process and make sense of and integrate all that life that had just happened. All that time when I was working so hard, when I was going through so much, when I was living through so much, I had to absorb it. And that took a little downtime to achieve. We're going to get more into this. This is America WK. Please, please, please don't go away. A party for being alive. This is America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo. While we tried to make sure that they were protected, we also gave those who wished to destroy space to do that as well. Baltimore's left-wing mayor taking a lot of heat for reportedly giving the stand-down order to cops, allowing the riots to take hold in Baltimore. Here's something wild and crazy. Why not focus on protecting your citizens instead? Chris Salcedo. Saturdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. The undisputed king of partying invites you to a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Okay, welcome back. Thank you so much for being with me here. Fourth ever episode of America WK. I am Andrew WK, and the majority of this show, we're talking about depression. But we're talking about ways that we can look at depression that might not be so depressing. And the way we're discussing right now is the idea that depression may in fact be our soul, our body, our mind processing life. And especially if you've gone through a lot of life, it might even be very happy things, very exciting things. There's a time 
after those occurrences where you need to absorb them. You need to make sense of them. Your body needs to sort them out and process them. doesn't mean you'll be actually understanding or thinking about them while it happens. It just feels like a big come down, uh, an open space of no feeling. And the no feeling can actually be a bad feeling because you otherwise feel like you should feel so good. And after a big experience for me, for example, recording a new album, actually d doing this show, every time I have finished an episode of America WK, I have felt pretty bad. <laughs> I'm not happy to tell you that, really. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's very intense for me speaking with you. I don't have a plan, really, for what I'm going to say. It's all coming out, and once it's done, I can't go back and edit it. I can't go back and fix it. I can't go back and fine-tune it like I can with writing, for example, or with recording music. This is just happening, and then it's done. And it's very intense. And I'm thinking about a lot of things. I'm learning things. We're going deep into things, and I feel like my soul it has to process that after it happens. Even though it's only one radio show, it's still a life experience. It's changing me as it happens. So when you go through something in life that is changing you, that change has to take place. And sometimes it doesn't take place until after the experience. I feel like your whole body and soul are being called upon oftentimes to actually do the thing, like do the radio show, go out and live life. It takes all your effort. It takes all your capacities, all your faculties. You're putting everything you have into your life. And so you don't even have time to process it as it's happening. You don't have time to absorb it as it's happening. It's all piling up. And then it gets filed into your being. And that, that's a painful process. I think the absorption of life is a painful process. But that we can take some kind of comfort in, in realizing that that pain that we feel, especially when it doesn't seem rational, even after very happy experiences, after a, a very triumphant experience, when you think you should feel completely on top of the world, it might actually be a very painful time. It might be a sad feeling or a depressing feeling. I think it's just our soul absorbing our experience into our being, making sense out of it so that we can actually learn from it, and apply it going forward. So in that regard, be very patient with yourself. I'm always a big believer in being hard on oneself so that we can stay disciplined, keep our integrity, you know, not get lazy in our life. But there's times when it's not lazy at all to just, just to exist and let your soul do its work. Let it, uh, let it absorb your life, make sense out of it, and then you can move forward. Let those feelings be. And, and, and that's a big part of depression for me. I just try to live. <laughs> I mean, of course, you're always trying to live. You want to survive. But it can feel like you can't breathe for me. It can feel like you can't live. It can feel like just moving through the day with your body, like even just eating or using the restroom or remembering to inhale and then exhale again, that can take all your effort. And I try to just focus sometimes on those things. I don't try to understand why I feel, why I feel so angry. I don't try to understand why I feel so sad. I don't try to understand why it feels like the world is a horrible place. I say, well, those are just those feelings and I'm going to continue to live anyway. 
And that's sometimes just enough to get through those really brutal moments of depression. Now, another type of depression that is different to me than this kind of soul absorption that we just talked about, the kind of aftermath of a huge life experience, and as you process it and and your body makes sense out of it, I think another type of depression that's very understandable, that is not a symptom of something uh, imbalanced in your brain, is something that I imagine you're familiar with. I have been familiar with it for as long as I can remember. It's a complete frustration and dissatisfaction with the world. Not with everything about the world, but perhaps with the parts of the world that we can easily identify as less than ideal, less than good, uh, what we might even call BS. When you look around you and you realize that you're in the midst of a very imperfect situation and that there are many people and many circumstances that shouldn't be 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 behaving or be uh, affecting you the way that they are. When we, for example, turn on TV and we get shown an entire version of life that doesn't make sense to us or uh, see events unfolding that don't feel good to see unfolding, how would you not react to that in a depressed way? Or perhaps, again, some people might not react to it uh, by feeling depressed, but they could at least understand that we don't like the way the world is always. This isn't bad. I don't think that this is bad. I think that this is completely natural. In fact, I think to either ignore this aspect of the world or to somehow trick ourselves into not recognizing it is not healthy at all. I think we should find those things depressing. Ideally, we should find the strength to face them and not be depressed ultimately in a way that slows us down, that breaks us down, but a way that uh, we can harness that depression and use it for determination to improve the world, starting with ourselves. And when we see people's shortcomings, when we see situations that we realize are not right, that when we see, best of all, um, pardon me, most of all, a lack of integrity in our surroundings, we should not let this discourage us. It should be motivating. It should be motivating, first of all, just to, to try to improve ourselves, because that's the only thing that we really have immediate control over or any kind of ability to impact instantly. But it's also not something that we should feel bad, like, what's wrong with me? I shouldn't be depressed about this. There's many very depressing situations. And I think all, we don't want to ignore them or think that they're just fine and we're just in a bad mood or we're looking at them the wrong way. The world's a beautiful place. The world is a beautiful place, but these things are not beautiful that are on top of the world or that are in the world. There are problems that we have to address. That's part of being a, a real human is feeling the pain uh, from suffering. And when we witness suffering and we, when we witness confusion, when we witness uh, a complete disorganization of priorities, it feels bad. That's because we care. That's okay. That doesn't mean something's wrong with you. That doesn't mean that your brain isn't working right or that you need to take a pill, for example, to not feel that way about things that are very messed up. And I think it's so funny, or not funny, but quite dark, actually, that TV, in its most sinister 
capacity can be used specifically to make you feel bad in all kinds of ways. It, it can make, make us feel bad in manipulative ways to achieve ulterior motives that are meant to uh, hold us down, oppress us, confuse us, to sell us something. And then right alongside of feeling all bad, then they want to sell us a medicine that's supposed to make us all feel good. Well, why would a drug company want us to feel bad so that they can sell us the cure for that? Now, I am not there to say that that's all that's going on. Some of these people may have noble motives behind their efforts. Some of these industries might not entirely be corrupt. But a very cursory glance at what's going on would lead someone to think that there may be something very backwards about a lot of these operations. And I'm not just saying pharmaceuticals or TV in general, but just that maybe we all are involved to some degree in a bit of a game to make ourselves feel bad and then to cheer ourselves up again, and then to make ourselves feel bad and then to cheer ourselves up again. In most cases, the things that we feel bad about are probably meant to feel, be felt bad about in, in the first place. And that the way to fix them is not by cheering ourselves up, but by actually addressing them and fixing them somehow, starting from within inside of ourselves, fixing what we can fix of ourselves first. But we don't need to turn off that part of us that recognizes problems and painful suffering in the world. That's being human. This is America WK. Thank you very much for your patience as we make our way through this episode. I'll be right back. Please stay with me. This is America WK, featuring Andrew WK, only on the Blaze Radio Network. The Jeff Fisher Show. Feeling old? Well, think about this. Raquel Welch is 74 years old. Harrison Ford, 72. Martin Sheen. 74. Paul McCartney, 72. How you feeling? Feeling better? Thought you were feeling old today? Don't. The Jeff Fisher Show. Saturday morning, 6 to 8 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Radio show restoring your faith in humanity through the power of positive partying. This is America WK with Andrew WK. This is Andrew WK, and you're listening with me here on America WK. And we've been talking about depression. We've been talking about a couple different ideas or ways of looking at depression that I've found personally helpful. I've struggled with depression right up until today. I'd like to think that I won't feel depressed ever again, but if I'm very honest, I probably will feel depressed again, but I will hopefully use these ways of thinking and actually even use my experience with you right now on this show to make it a little less painful and to interpret these feelings that we might call depression in ways that can hopefully be useful. And that I think is for anyone who's depressed, our main challenge whether we choose, however we choose to overcome or to deal with the depression. The idea in my mind that makes the most sense is that it's not something wrong with us. It's something there to actually make us better. 
It's something there to turn us into better people. That doesn't mean you shouldn't take medication if you want to take medication. That doesn't mean there might not actually be a real mental illness or imbalance. I'm saying like any other challenge, any other circumstance, any other ordeal that we find in ourselves or in life, the world around us, these are tests. These are initiations. These are each a way to see, are we strong enough to rise above this, to become a better person in spite of this? And again, no one is to blame for the depression. And if they can't rise above it, we each have to deal with this in the way that we are meant to deal with it. I don't wish depression on anyone. I don't think that people who have gone through depression are somehow stronger or have a deeper understanding of life than someone who has been fortunate enough to not be depressed. It's just to say that if you have been feeling bad, let's try to turn it into something good. It's actually really the whole story of my life. Every effort, everything I've done, including talking with you right now, is motivated by trying to turn lead into gold, trying to turn the lowest part of myself into something better, something worthy of being given a life to begin with, to become someone who has earned the chance to be a happy person. And I think that by looking at these bad feelings in a way that is inspiring, even in the midst of their badness, is sometimes the best that I've been able to to make of it. It takes strength, it takes discipline, but most of all, it just takes not giving up. Just somehow or another, know that you are not alone, even when it's darkest and that you feel the worst. You are not alone. Uh, there's someone not only that feels that way, but who has made it through as well. And it, 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 just don't give up even when it feels completely impossible, you will get through it. You really will. And you will probably be stronger because of it. We must continue to move forward. We are trying to take every lesson that life has to teach us and apply it to some journey, some adventure of reaching some ultimate destination. And maybe that destination isn't even what we would call happiness. Maybe it goes even beyond that. I have a feeling that even in the midst of my worst depressions, there is something inherently positive about the entire thing. It doesn't mean I'm trying to trick my mind into looking at the depression as a happy thing. It, there's no way for me to do that. It's, it, it's a physical feeling that could never be understood as happiness. But maybe there's a beneath even those feelings, there's a sense that all of this has a purpose. And having faith in some type of purpose, that it's not all meaningless, that not all of life is just some huge accident that we're just struggling to get through as comfortably as possible, that all these ordeals have a purpose to make us grow. That has gotten me through even the worst, darkest times that I can't even describe to you. The sense that it is for a reason. I might not ever understand what that reason is. I might not ever be able to reach an ultimate destination that I'm supposed to get in this lifetime, at least, but that there is a point to it. It is not hopeless. It is not meaningless. It is not accidental that we are part of something, that you are part of something incredibly important and powerful. 
And we might not be able to explain exactly what that is, but there's a feeling deep down inside, beneath the depression, an even more fundamental feeling than any state that we would be in otherwise, that tells us that we are meant to be here. And we are meant to contribute in some way to goodness in the world, the unfolding of whatever this thing is we call life. And isn't it, 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 it truly is amazing that with all our in, uh, incredible advances in technology, with all of our insights that we've learned over so many years of human existence, we still really don't know what life is, not to mention why life is. But there certainly seems to be some reason for it. So let's continue to make the best that we possibly can. Let's hold together. Let's help each other. Anything you can do to help someone else, to help yourself, is never a wasted effort. I've been helped by speaking with you. I hope you got something out of this. That would certainly make me less depressed. Stay strong. Life is worth living. That's what partying is. This has been America WK, and I am Andrew WK. I will talk to you next episode. Thank you. I love you. Bye. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.